So Hebrews 4.16 uh, is our keynote scripture, our foundation scripture for this series of, of, of messages. And the series is called Come Boldly. We're in the third week of this series today. And it the title is Our Time of Need. And you'll see that from our scripture that we're in a time of need. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly. That's how God wants us to come boldly. Not, he, he doesn't want us to come through the back door, come through the front door of the throne, not, not sneaking in, uh, bashful or fearful. Come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I'm going to emphasize this week on our time of need. What the, the time that we're living in right now, God wants to give us something to help us go through that time, the time of need. And it's more grace. There's a certain grace that we need to receive and mercy that we need to obtain so that we can move through this time of need that we're in right now. And before we, um, uh, before we go into the message further, I want to let you know that we're we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer that will end. We started on the 4th, we end on the 24th, but during this next week, I want you to do something. I believe God is moving in 2021 in local churches. Yes. Local churches that are willing to stand up and preach the truth and be bold and stay open. Stay open, churches. If you're a pastor and you're watching, stay open. It has already been decided by the Supreme, government, Supreme Court uh, that we have the right to assemble and worship. We don't have to shut down and shut up. We are essential. And so um, we are, we're going to stay open. We're going to stay open. We're going to stay open in 2021. God has a plan and he hasn't given up. And... Uh, our church, the truth is our church is only as strong as our individual families. And so this year I want to charge the men in the church and those that are head of household. Maybe, maybe you have a single household, but uh, you take leadership and we're going to do something this next week during these last 21 days of, of fasting and prayer. Um, you remember God gave Nehemiah the assignment of rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah knew that he couldn't do it by himself. And so uh, he commissioned each family to build a portion of the wall that was closest to their dwelling, which means we are responsible for working with the Lord in his strength and power in order to build our local church. It's not mine and Pastor Sheila's job to just build this church. You, let me say that a little because I heard one, one little grunt. It's not mine and Pastor Sheila's responsibility to build this local church. And this church is not built with just steel and uh, concrete. It's, you guys are lively stones built on the foundation of Jesus who is the cornerstone. We have to build one another up. That's what the Bible says that we're here to do, to do the work of the ministry. 
And so this 2021, you're going to be challenged by your pastor like never before. And we're going to be challenged by the, the situation, the, the times we're living in and the world we're living in like never before. And so uh, just like Nehemiah faced attacks from the opposition, but he overcame it to finish what God assigned him to do. We're going to overcome the resistance. We're going to overcome the attacks. We're going to overcome this uh, internal attacks and external attacks. And we're going to do what God has called us to do. Um, Nehemiah did it with a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other hand. Well, we have a weapon and a tool. <laughs> this is a weapon and a tool. It's, it's a double-edged sword. And so it's a weapon when we need it and a tool to build our families and our local church. So Nehemiah said, let us rise up and build and they didn't stop so here's what here's here is your assignment husbands men's fathers, men fathers and heads of households spend some time this next week praying asking the lord to lead you and to give you certain things for this coming year we're going to have a wall out at the front uh, near the front door that we're going to post a um, declaration it's either a scripture, if God gives you a scripture for 2021 for your family, we want you to write it out, a word from God, a declaration, maybe it's your declaration to God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I want every family to be represented, and we're going to post it up on this wall, a wall of vision for 2021. Uh, it could be goals that you have. Now, you don't have to publish your private goals. I'm not asking you to do that. But the thing is, when we see it, when we're coming in and we're going out, it reminds us that God is involved in this coming year. Yes. God is building his church. Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we need each other more now than ever before. And this is a remembrance. You remember when they laid the, when they came through, uh, the river and they laid the 12 stones as they came back those stones reminded them of how God was faithful he parted the Red Sea he did miracles he delivered them from Egypt right so we need this remembrance so that's your assignment this week a scripture for 2021 a word from from God for 2021 a declaration our goals Maybe you have a word that we need as a church. We're going to write it down. We're going to put it up in the front. And we're going to declare it over this year as we come and as we go to remember that God is faithful. Are you with me? Yes. So bring it on the last Sunday, January 31st. So you have not only this week, but the next week too. We'll have two more Sundays talking about prayer, bold prayer, and what God wants us to do this coming year. So, uh, this first point about Nehemiah looking around. He, Nehemiah looked around. We need to look around because we're in a great time of need. We're in a great time of need. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. You don't necessarily have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you. Nehemiah noticed that the walls were, were burned with fire and broken down. He heard about the wall. Chapter 1 and verse 3. 
In verse 4, it says, when I heard about these things, I sat down and wept. Now, Nehemiah was not a prophet. That's why you, you find Nehemiah over by Ezra, and he's not in the major prophets or the minor prophets. Nehemiah was, he, he was called a governor, but he was a, they, they say he was a cupbearer to the king. He had favor with the king, but he was a man and he recognized something. We need to recognize the time that we're in. We need to look around and we need to see the walls that have been burned and broken down. But this is what he said. He, he, he sat down and he wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Days. Mourning, fasting, praying. Humbling ourselves before God. Realizing where we are. A lot of times we don't... I'm just going to say this. A lot of the church is just going to ignore what's going on. I read a post somebody put on Facebook. It, and it was a, a, a Christian man that I have respected over the years. Over 30 years. And he, he made this statement. Nothing has changed. God is in control. I'm like, wait a minute, where are you living? <laughs> Nothing has changed. God is in control. And it does sound good. And I do, with, I do agree with the fact that God is in control. And I do agree with the fact that nothing in heaven has changed. But a lot has changed over the years. Over the years. And we, Nehemiah looked around. And he prayed and he fasted and he mourned. And he said this to the Lord, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. So Nehemiah is interceding and that's going to be one of the big points of our message today. We, we, we have to recognize that this time that we're living in is not all about us. We have to become intercessors. And guys, there's, there's no office of an intercessor anywhere that I can find in the Bible, which means we're all an intercessor. Look at the person beside you and say, you're, you're an intercessor. Nehemiah didn't have a badge on that said the chief intercessor for the children of Israel. <laughs> he recognized that people needed help, right? I mean, how plain, how plain it is that he fasted. He took it upon himself when he recognized what was going on to bow down, to weep, to worship God, just like we were singing about, and, and take what we see before God. Let your ear be attentive, your eyes open, God. And hear the prayer of your servant that's praying before you night and day for your servants, the people of Israel. He said, I confess the sins that we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Guys, this is Second Chronicles 7, 14, isn't it? If my people who are called by my, by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways. Right? We've got to quit pointing fingers at people and humble ourselves and pray. Come on now. 
true. What would love do? Nehemiah just displayed what love would do. I confess the sins of, the, of we Israelites, including my family. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you have given your servant Moses. And so as a member of the body of Christ, as a leader in the body of Christ, my first duty is to humble myself and say, Lord, as the body of Christ, we've really missed it. We have allowed the walls, the gates, and everything to be destroyed in our country. And even in the body of Christ, because what I'm hearing and seeing right now is, is, is very uh, alarming. People in the body of Christ entering into this judging one another, canceling one another. So Nehemiah noticed, and he did something about it. It's not just noticing, but we have to act on what we see through the power of God because that's what Nehemiah relied upon. People say, you know, oh, all this has been going on for years or everything that's happening now has been happening before. I see it. I've seen it. Nothing's changed. But guys, we have to admit in our lifetime, since everyone uh, that is here in this building and alive on the earth today right now, uh, we haven't experienced in our lifetime the turmoil and the unrest that we're in right now. And it's a spiritual war. And the church knows what to do in times of spiritual war. The world doesn't know what to do. That's why they're freaking out. <laughs> but the church, we know what to do. We have from Genesis to Revelation to read what we do in times of spiritual war. Right? And so it's not life as usual. People began saying last, uh, last March, this is the new normal. Well, it may be new, but there's nothing about it that's normal. <laughs> no, no, it's not normal to walk around with, with something on your face. Oh, but we've got to follow the science. Well, I invite you to follow the science. Because science says that the, the mass... Let's use some logic sense here. Log logic. Where, where we put the mask on in, in all of these cities that have had flare-ups, they keep spreading. So let's, let's, there's, there hasn't been, you have to agree with this, there hasn't been consistency between the scientists and the doctors and the medical community. And hey, there's a lot more to it than just wear your mask and, 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 and be afraid that you're going to, come on. I'm not saying that it's not real. I'm just saying that the, the fear behind it is more devastating than the actual thing. <laughs> it's not life as usual. And this can't be the new normal. God didn't design us to walk around with a mask on our face indefinitely. Until somebody, whoever the king of the earth is, says, okay, now everybody can take your mask off. Because I feel safe. Right? Or because I'm the chief physician of all the physicians. The point is we need God more than ever before. Amen. And, I, and I, I'm still seeing more and more uh, indications that the world and the spirit of Antichrist is deceiving those that call themselves Christians. Do you realize that not all people that cause them, call themselves Christians are Christians? 
That's hard to believe. Because just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian any more than if you, if you stood in a garage, it made you a car. Or if you jumped in the lake, it made you a boat. Right? Look at Matthew chapter 7. I know there are people that are doubting me right now. But pastor, they're nice people and they want to be a Christian. That's great. You want to be a Christian. And you call yourself a child of God. Well, here, uh, Jesus... Uh, taught us how to become born again. He, he used the term born again. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Matthew 7, 21 and 23 says it like this in the New King James Version. Not every, these are words in red. Jesus said this, not me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven wasn't Jesus the one that told Nicodemus, um, you've got to be born again, right? Uh, verse 22 says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name as if they're begging Jesus to let them in, let me in heaven. I deserve because I did all these things. And in verse 23, he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, pra you who practice lawlessness. So that verse right there tells me, and I've got other verses too, that not everybody that thinks they're a Christian is a Christian. There's a way, right? There's a way to become born again. But there are a lot of people that want to be Christian in name only. Would you call that kinos or sinos? Christian in name only? These people are using these acronyms, in name only, in name only. But, but because there's a lot of people that are posing in costumes and they're saying that they're one thing, but they're really not that thing. That's why Matthew 24 says, when Jesus said, you'll know that these things are coming when you see the great deception. That's the first sign that Jesus listed there in Matthew chapter 24. There will be great deception on the earth. And that's what's going on right now. There's a shifting. Yeah. The mass deception. So the body of Christ, uh, we need each other more than ever before. Hebrews 10, 25 says, the Passion Translation, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing. It's a habit you form when you pull away from meeting together. The body of Christ. When we become one with the body of Christ, Jesus sets us together in the body. And there's purpose when we gather together. You know, just the high five you give, the handshake you give, the hug you give, the word you give to each other bonds you together. And we're meant to be bonded together. That's why staying out of church, closing down the church, and being a televangelist. Every pastor is a televangelist. Hi, to, this morning I want to talk to the camera. No, that's good for people who can't make it here. But if you can make it out of the bed, you need to be here. Uh, if you're within the distance of, of coming. 
Listen, here's another reality. There are Christians all over the world in other countries that none of us have ever been to. Some of us have been to, but most of us have never been to these countries. They will walk for two hours to get to a church. And the American church, last March, we go online and people are still online. With not the intention of ever going back. Oh, pastor's being hard on people that are watching online. No, there's just a principle. You know, Jesus came to the earth. He put on flesh and blood, bones, so he could touch people. He touched people and raised the dead. He got dirty. He's the chief shepherd. There was a transmission. They laid hands on folks. All of this was for purpose. God didn't just appear when TV were, TVs were created. He appeared and says, I love you. Believe in me and you'll be saved. There's something more to the flesh, bones, and, and, and blood body that we live in. And the devil has taken that away. And people are like, hey, I can just catch it. Like... Uh, like one of my favorite programs on Netflix. It doesn't work that way. And, and Hebrews, 10, 20, Hebrews 10 says, we'll keep reading here. Um, I'll start over from 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Yes, yes come together. I was asked uh, not, not too long ago recently, Pastor, do you require um, masks to come to church? No, I don't require a mask to come to church. I believe that you're mature enough to make that decision. If you want to wear one, wear one. We're not going to shame you. Are, are, are turn you away. We have the ability to think. Let's think. Don't let the government think for you. Come to these classes on Monday and Wednesday and you'll learn that God expects us to be an adult and think. We don't have to tell everybody uh, or allow everybody to tell us what to do. I know I'm shaking up some devils this morning come on really we lose our mind because COVID-19 comes on and I said when it happened guys watch out for COVID-20 COVID-21 COVID-22 COVID-23 anything and everything to shut the church down get them to shut their mouth shut down but we're not going to we're not going to if we have to grow a backbone, we're not going to. I know it's not popular. I didn't, I didn't ask anybody's permission. <laughs> I know it's not popular. But pastor, haven't you heard? Have, these other people have said and haven't said, I don't care. I'm responsible to Jesus for what I say. <laughs> if you want to come to a bold church, here we are. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to smile, but we've got to be bold. Guys, guys, don't lose your mind. 
God gave us a, a, the ability to think critically. This year, we, have, we must be determined that nothing will stop us from meeting as the church. It is guaranteed in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. And like I said, the Supreme Court has upheld decisions both in, in New York and California that they can meet. Our president said that we are essential. I haven't forgot that. It was written. I remembered it. I'm essential. Nobody going to shut me down. Send the sheriff. Take me. Take me. But I'm not going to shut up and I'm not going to shut down. Okay. Point two, we have to look around. That's point one. I'm looking around. I'm not denying the facts, but I'm saying that God's truth is greater than the facts. God's word is greater than the facts. The second point is to look around or uh, look up. Look around first, look up second. Reach out with your faith and intercede. First Timothy chapter 2 one and two, the Passion Translation says, most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God. So all of our prayers should be with gratitude. Anger should never drive us to pray. Back to, let me rewind back to Nehemiah. He, he recognized the, the decay of the city around him. It drove him to repentance. And then he asked God, and then God gave him a plan, right? Here, Paul is writing to Timothy. We pray with gratitude to God. And then it says, pray for all men with all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede with intense passion. And pray for every political leader and representative, whether you voted for them or not. Thank you for those amens. So that, here it is, so that we would be able to live tranquil, peaceable, undisturbed lives as we worship the all-inspiring God with pure hearts. That's beautiful. And it shows the place of prayer and the power of prayer to make a change. And it shows God's heart for all people. Don't just pray for your favorites. Pray for everybody because we all need prayer. That's right. If you're going to pray for somebody, put my name on your prayer list. I need your prayer. To intercede is to make an appeal on behalf of someone. To make an appeal on behalf of someone. Think about Abraham for Lot. Abraham with his uh, nephew Lot in Genesis chapter 18. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin. And sin always has uh, a price. There's always the fruit of sin. The fruit of sin is always death. And so Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city. And they were destroying themselves. And um, Abraham went before the Lord and said, Wait, God, would you, would you wipe out the city if there were a few righteous we won't go into the, the times that he went back and forth with God. But he, in, that, that act of intercession is to go before God on behalf of someone else and pray for grace and mercy. We need to intercede. 
You know, Abraham had the option to say, you know, I'm good. I'm good with God, so (laughs) wipe them out. Take my nephew with you. (laughs) But he didn't because he was others-minded. We need to be others-minded. And that's what motivates us to intercede. In Ezekiel chapter 22, God is looking for us to make up the gap. Here's what it says, Ezekiel 22:30, New International. I looked for someone. God is looking for people today among us, among the church, who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. And then the Lord says, but I found no one. So we need to be that one. We need to be the one to intercede for our country and for our communities and for our neighborhoods and for the people around us, for our families. People are worth it. God created every person on the earth with a destiny to go to heaven and not hell. God didn't create hell for people. Right? And you may be the one but interceding and standing between that person that is on their way to hell and you may be the one that God uses to bring them into the kingdom of God. And so we need to put on this intercession as, as a duty, as, a, as an anointing, as a cloak to enter into prayer for others. Moses, uh, Psalm 106.23 says it like this. This is the message Bible or the message uh, transliteration. Fed up, God decided to get rid of them. And except for Moses, his chosen, he would have. But Moses stood in the gap and deflected God's anger. Prevented it from destroying them utterly. So Moses went back and interceded for the people. Even though they were stiff-necked and rebellious. Moses said, but God, but God. It's your covenant. You created these people. You don't want to wipe them out. So it was negotiation. There's negotiation and intercession. Think about that. We pray for grace and mercy. And God needs us on this earth in this day, in this hour, to pray in faith for his mercy to flow so that we can reap the harvest. God is looking at the harvest, and he wants us to keep our eyes on the harvest, not on all the chaos going on around us. Keep your eyes on the harvest. Look at people that need to be saved. They're everywhere. And the more angry they are, the more they need to be saved. There's angry people in the world. There's angry people in the church. We need a baptism of the Holy Spirit so that that anger switches from anger to love. How many? Here's a question, a challenging question for you. Maybe you want to write, write it down. <laughs> How many will we see in our city and our county, in this Gwinnett County, give their lives to Jesus this year? We need to be diligent in our church and decisive and dedicated, determined, specific to how many people we want to see born again this year. Yes. It will depend. Seeing people born again around us, in our neighborhoods, in this community, in this city. It will depend on our intercession and our intervention. 
our intercession, and our intervention. Are you ready to intervene? Because you're going to meet people that are, are depressed to the point of suicide. What are you going to give them that they don't have? They're filled with anger. They're filled with hate. They're filled with doubt and fear. And the only way out that they can see is to kill themselves or kill someone else. What are you going to give them that's stronger than what they're dealing with on the inside? Are you ready? You, we, have, we have the weapon and the tool. The weapon and the tool. Say, so, hey, come to my house for a Bible study. Let's find out who you are in Christ. Let's find out your destiny. So we have to pray for our family. Pray for your natural family. Pray for your church family. Ephesians 6.18 says this. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Don't give up. Pray the blessings of God upon all of his believers. And so this is our assignment to pray for our family, pray for our church family, pray for those around us, pray for our nation, pray for our nation. Romans 10, 1, uh, the Passion Translation, it talks about Paul praying for the Israelites. Now think about Paul who was a zealot for Israel. He killed Christians, right, as Saul he came over into the church, was converted, but then he had a heart to pray for those who were unconverted. Here's what it says in Romans 10.1. My beloved brothers and sisters, the passionate desire of my heart and constant prayer to God is for my fellow Israelites to experience salvation. So... If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for everyone. And our prayers should be aimed at others, interceding for others, asking for grace and mercy. Remember Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he prayed for those that crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus did that. Remember Stephen, Acts chapter 7, verse 60. Stephen was being stoned to death. Stephen must have remembered that Jesus prayed at the last moments before death. And Stephen said, Father, forgive them. Can we practice that prayer? Father, forgive them. You're not forgiving people for their benefit. You're forgiving people for your benefit. When you walk in unconditional love, and you walk in forgiveness, it keeps you free from anger, hate. And the blessings of God to come on you and overtake you. And the peace of God to surround you, your heart and your mind. We've got to break free from this get back nature. I'm going to get back. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you twice. That's not God's spirit. We need to pray for our neighbors. Love your neighbors. Love your neighbors. Reach out. Start reaching out to your neighbors. Do acts of kindness. But not just um, 
what do they call it? Um, random acts of kindness. No, we need to be specific and intentional. intentional and directed by God acts of kindness. It's not random. God speak to you and, and tell you how to reach over and help your neighbor, pray for your neighbor. The best way and the first way that we should intercede for our neighbors is to pray, pray for them. So the, the last point to this message is, is after we've looked around, after we've looked up, we need to look inside. Look inside. Look at Romans 8.34. Romans 8.34. We have to stand up in our authority. Did you know you have authority? A lot of churches don't, don't teach this because they don't believe this. This last point. It's a, it's a bold one if you can receive it. A lot of churches will not teach this because they don't know this. They don't know this. Romans 8.34. Here it is. Who then is the one who condemns? Not one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God... And is also interceding for us. Where is Jesus? At the right hand of God, interceding for us. Keep your mind on that scripture and then look at this one. We're tying two together. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him... In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Where's Christ? Seated at the right hand of God. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. Where are we? We are in Christ. Seated with him in heavenly places. And if we're doing what he's doing with the same motive and the same purpose and the same reasons that he's doing it for. We're interceding for those people that need to be in the kingdom. With him. With us. It takes our eyes off of ourselves. Jesus is looking at us. He's looking at the harvest that has already been paid for. And if we're seated with him, and that is that powerful revelation that we need as a church so that we can walk in boldness, confidence, in this place that we're in, in the hour that we're living, we pray from a place of victory because we're seated with him. We are seated with him. Everybody say, I am, I am seated with Christ. We need to know that. If we know that, then we won't act like the devil wants us to act. We'll act like Jesus wants us to act because we'll, we will see ourselves in him and, and, and our connection with him when people get born again, they need to leave the old behind, right? And take on the new nature of Christ. That's why we have to study who we are in Christ. Find out what he made us, what he took away from us. Our old life is gone. A new life has come. Put on Christ, right? All of these scriptures. It's who you are in Christ that makes you victorious. Even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. 
even when the giant comes against you and your name is David? Or they throw you in the fiery pit and you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a fourth man. If you're Daniel and they throw you down with the lions, shut the mouths of the lions. No matter what comes against us, greater is he who's in us than he that is in the world. We, the church in this day, we have a choice. We can be like the 10 spies or we can be like the two. I choose to be like the two. Joshua and Caleb saw what they were up against. They weren't denying. They were just declaring. (laughs) They were declaring as they said, let's go up and take what belongs to us. Are we going to take what belongs to us? God's promises belong to us. God's promises belong to us. We have to know what they are. The reason we don't go up and take them is because we, we don't even know what they are. Right? The reason that Joshua and Caleb <laughs> knew that God wanted them to have that is because they paid attention. While others were, were disregarding, while others were looking at the surroundings, Joshua and Caleb were, were, were rehearsing God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Joshua hung out by that tent that Moses would worship God and talk with God and receive instruction from God. That's why Joshua and Caleb could say, hey, we're well able to overcome, prevail, and conquer. We're well able to overcome. Let's stand up. God is calling us to win and not whine. <laughs> 2021, the year of the winners or the whiners? You choose. It's going to be a big year of big challenges. It's going to be a year of big challenges, but it's going to be a big year. Uh, 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 2021 is going to be a year of big victories for those who will pray and be bold. It's not just being bold in, in the natural. Because it's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Your physical strength is nothing compared to the power of God. Ask Samson. Right? We have to do things motivated by the spirit and in the spirit. So yes... The times we're living in are challenging, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's where we take our hope, our faith, our trust. That's why we can be bold. First John says that this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we have whatsoever things that we ask of him. That's boldness because we know our father. Do you know your father? Do you know your father? He's a good God. He made you. He created you. There may be somebody watching that has never made Jesus the Lord of their life. That's why we're here so that we can change from darkness to light so that our spirit can be reborn. I mentioned Jesus talked to Nicodemus and he said, you know, 
it's good that you want to, you know, want me to come to your house, but um, you, you, you must be born again. You have to be born again. It's a change on the inside. It's a decision that you have to make. It doesn't take long to make that decision. It just takes you choosing. It's a choice. The word says, I, choose, I set before you life and death. This day, choose life. And so I want to give an opportunity to somebody, for, for someone to choose life, to choose Jesus, to follow Jesus today. That is why we're here. So I'll just invite you to close your eyes right there and, and let's, let's think for a minute. This is how it happens. It's not some feeling that comes over you. It's not cold chills. It's not some experience that somebody appears to you. It is a decision that you make based on your heart. You've heard the truth today. You know that Jesus loves you. You know that God is a God of grace and mercy. He wants you to be in his kingdom. He created you to love him, to follow him, to serve him. And so today is the day that you make that decision. I'm going to help you with some words and we're all going to pray together. And that's just our way of reaching out and connecting with God. So let's all say this together. Heavenly Father, I do believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord that he was born on earth that he died for me that he shed his blood for me and paid the price for my salvation then he rose from the dead and he's seated at your right hand and right now I choose to follow Jesus all of my life thank you father that I'm born again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can walk in victory in Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray for any, any person that made a decision. The most important thing for you, if you made that decision or maybe, maybe you made a decision when you were a child and you just decided that I'm going to just pick up where I left off and follow Jesus right now. Right, right now, today, here, forever. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. It's not, it's not important that you come down and that you tell me, but tell somebody. We're going to have people here praying at the end of the service. If you're watching online, please chat it out. Please spell it out on, on however you're watching or whatever to, to, to let somebody know. Because it is the believing in your heart and confession with your mouth that, that seals your salvation. Jesus said if we, if we make him known before men, he will recognize us and make us known before his Father which is in heaven. So it's important to go public with our faith. It's not just believing in our head, but it's speaking with our mouth. 